You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for, for November 10th. That's right. Wednesday. November 10th, everybody. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. That's especially the case uh, for today. Uh, you you might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. Got a piece coming out for them soon uh, about the Padres rotation, which we'll talk about next week. And uh, you can check out and follow me, of course, on Twitter, as always, at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L underscore Padres, where all the Padres-centric memes and takes mostly stem from uh, over on the Twitter. And then if you saw me just now, I was pointing at my name. Uh, that means you're watching the YouTube. You can check out the YouTube, Locked On Padres on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe. We recently crossed the 100 subscriber mark, which is very kind of cute and nice. Um, and you can also find that in the audio description, by the way, of the from all my audio listeners for the podcast um for today's show uh first of all i usually say thank you for making locked up hydrogen your first listen we had a crisis look i recorded my episode literally like yesterday morning and then what happened is i got really really busy and i was like okay no problem i already recorded my episode we're good to go we're good to go ladies and gentlemen and then this damn restream app decided to just randomly not not only did i lose my audio but not not all of it though See, I would have been actually less annoyed if I lost all the audio of my podcast that I originally recorded today. Uh, I was more annoyed that just 29 minutes in, just randomly, just cut off, just cut off. So the last like eight minutes were completely unusable, so I have to record now, and I didn't have any time to record. So my apologies for the late podcast, guys. Thankfully, though, the topics are at least still somewhat relevant, um, and they're actually going to be more relevant, which is why I wanted to make sure that I still got it out. I'll be a little bit late. The Late evening, all you guys back home from work. You listen to radio. You know, I'm with Wolfman here. We're talking to you. How you doing? Maybe you got something. You put your feet on the radiator. You know, stuff like that. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Um, but I want to talk about a bunch of topics, guys. I want to talk about Mark Melanson um, declining his player option with the team, how the National League Gold Gloves were announced, and also Andrew Heaney, by the way. He was signed to the Dodgers, and I actually thought that there's a point to make about that based on the reaction that I saw to it. The Gold Gloves. And Heaney, how they release the Padres. And of course, the meat of the episode, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s MVP case, which I've talked about before, but it's been recently, you know, building up because he was named the finalist, guys. So what are we going to get into first? Let's get into Mark Melanson first, guys. If we've already spent enough time talking and apologizing, let's do it. Mark Melanson, recently it was announced via the old Padres uh, folks, via Kevin AC, just reading his tweet. Some Padres options or some Padres updates, team exercise options on Pierce Johnson for $3 million and Craig Stammen for $4 million and declined options on Keone Kella and Drake Marisnik, and Mark Melanson declined his player option. So here's my take on this, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Melanson, very effective reliever, man. A very effective reliever. And it hates me to, again, the the, the course of this episode is going to be annoying, repeating the same points that I've actually thought uh, where it came out better the first time I recorded, but... A lot of people said throughout the season that Mark Melanson was, he made you nervous, right? He really did. He really did. He made you nervous. You didn't always like were the fact that he just didn't get a lot of strikeouts. Um, 
whatsoever. He was not blowing pitches by guys. And it was a high pitch count uh, fairly frequently for Mark Melanson. But the bottom line is he got the job done. You know what I'm saying? He was one of the leaders in saves, at least for a while, before the team decided not to even give him chances to close games, which isn't his fault. Uh, He was one of the leaders in saves for basically a good portion of the season. And what I like about him the most is the fact that he didn't really cost anything. He really didn't cost anything. Uh, Mark Melanson, who I'm trying to pull up his his kind of profile here, which, you know, I can't, unfortunately. Shout out to this app not working. Nothing's working for me lately. But he was really good. And what I like is that the Padres opted for, and I just mentioned Keon Akella, they could have gotten Trevor Rosenthal last year. Trevor Rosenthal, who was electric, he's coming back from being an elite closer to having Tommy John surgery and missing two years of baseball, basically. It's coming back and throwing 100 miles an hour, being awesome for the Royals. And then the Padres trade for him, and he was also awesome, making batters miss like it was nothing. But he costs a whole lot more for that strikeout power, for those raw metrics and stuff. And the Padres instead opted to go for Mark Melanson and Keone Kella, going for two low-cost options instead of just one. And what happened? I mean, in fairness, Trevor Rosenthal did get hurt, but Mark Melanson was awesome. And what I love about this is that I think this is the blueprint to use going forward. Relief pitchers can be incredibly volatile uh, when it comes to positions in baseball. And I just don't trust going so high. The reason why Mark Melanson declined this option is probably because he thinks he's going to get more from another team. Maybe the White Sox are going to swoop in because they're a team that really desperately needs relief pitching. He's been in the setup role before. Or not necessarily in a while, but he's been in a setup sort of role before. He strikes me as a guy that could at least work in that type of role. They already went for Craig Kimbrell. They're giving him the money. So the White Sox need to improve their bullpen. For the Padres, my thing is, why don't we just repeat history where we try and instead bank on a Craig Stammen and Pierce Johnson, bank on the fact that you'll get a healthy Drew Pomerantz hopefully next year. Maybe you even have Chris Paddock, depending on how things shake out in the starting pitching rotation. Rotation. Ladies and gentlemen, based on how that pans out, maybe Chris Paddock ends up being a bullpen guy. Maybe Adrian Morajon ends up being a bullpen guy. It's still way too early to predict exactly what the final you know, five-man rotation is going to be for the Padres, and I mean that. I would actually only say that Joe Musgrove is the only one that I know for sure will probably stay with the team. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I don't think there is anyone that is necessarily a suitor for Blake Snell, you Darvish. I'm just saying that, like, let's just say Joe Musgrove is the only one that I'm for certain uh, will be uh, our kind of guy to root for next year. But uh, with Mark Melanson, I think that, you know, the biggest thing going for him was his consistency throughout his whole career, uh, at least basically since like 2014. And that needs to be brought up because I think that that's what you should be looking for if you're the Padres right now. There's a lot of other relievers on the market. You got Rizal Iglesias, you got Kenley Jansen, you got guys like that. You got those top heavy sort of guys. Yami Garcia's around there, but I don't think you should be paying top dollar because this isn't necessarily an, air, an area that's easy to predict. Uh, very often it falls into pieces. It's just like into the second half. The Padres are hopefully going to have a little bit more consistent starting pitching next year, which may aid the fact that their relief pitching had a little bit of a burden. You know what I mean? There was a kind of a burden on them based uh, because the fact that Ryan Weathers was out here going only three innings for like a month, giving up eight runs. So then you had to rely on guys like Nabil Krizbat to come in and save the day. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's why um, I just that's just how I feel, guys. I don't really think that the Padres should be too worried about it. Would I be upset if they brought him back? No, because of the consistency, like I said, I mean, if you just look at his seasons 
since basically 2013, 1.39 ERA. 2014, 1.9 ERA. 2015, 2.23. 2016, in total with uh, Pittsburgh and Washington, 1.64 ERA. With the Giants, which I've talked about with Ben Caspic before and how he's kind of the bane of Giants fans' existence. He, for some reason, just fell off there. 4.5 ERA and then 3.23 ERA, which isn't terrible. Um, he just had one offseason. Um, in 27, 2019, and then he improves going to Atlanta eventually with a 2.78 ERA. Bottom line is this isn't like someone like Blake Trinan, who years ago literally had an ERA under one and then it bloated up and whatnot. That's kind of what happens with relief pitchers. So while I'm not saying that I wouldn't want the Padres to resign Mark Lanson for the right deal, I'm just saying let's not panic. The shark is very good. And like I said, while the strikeout stuff isn't exactly uh, there this year, he had 59 strikeouts over the course of, if I could get the innings pitch, that would be great. 64 innings, which isn't all that many. Um, it's still, he got the job done. So while the Padres, I imagine, have a lot of other bigger fish to fry with Mark Melanson, the shark, I'm going to miss him. Uh, if he is not brought back to the team, but whoever gets him, uh, I think that they have a solid pitcher on their hands. Just be careful the hope that he's not going to anchor your entire bullpen staff. So with the Padres, hopefully Pierce Johnson, Craig Stammen, guys like Neil Krismat, guys like, hey, Miguel Diaz actually had some moments for the team this year, especially with the strikeout rate, even if a little bit of a lack of control with some of his off-speed stuff uh, was very positive. And then you have Drew Pomerantz, who you're already paying a decent amount of money to, who what I would assume would probably be the, the, the closer if we do have a new closer role open up although i will say the only guy emilio pagan although he is puerto rican i got love for my puerto rican power homies of course maybe don't have him closing out games that's the only guy that i must say is a little bit of a problem for the team right now guys but before we get into kind of talking about another the main topic at hand which is mr fernando tatish jr and his mvp case guys i want to talk to you about the best protein bars in all the lands. Ladies and gentlemen, I love Thanksgiving. I love all the food and the treats and plenty of them. But when I want a yummy dessert, you know what I mean? Maybe I should start considering a different route. Maybe I should consider the route of the Built Bars, ladies and gentlemen. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feel, feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar, maybe a coconut brownie chunk Built Bar, which is one of the best flavors. Or instead of a raspberry pie, you go for the raspberry Built Bar. Lots of good flavors, guys, to replace any pie. They got blueberry muffins. And cherry barcia, which is my mom's favorite flavor, which I've mentioned a bunch of times. Very, very good stuff. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, and covered in her scent chocolate, by the way. These things are also just, they just taste good. I should have mentioned that off the top. They really do taste good. I love these things. I have them all the time. Um, so, guys, what are you waiting for? Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. Hopefully we're in the second segment. Hopefully my microphone just randomly does it just not pick up my audio for the rest of the episode. Anyway, guys, now let's talk into the main crux of the episode. And it's a little bit of a beef I have. All right. A lot of Padres fans were losing their mind on the old interwebs. And why is that? It's because the San Diego Union Tribune published an article. Tatis is the best player in the league, but shouldn't win the NL MVP. This was written by Nick Canepa. Hopefully I'm saying that name right. And here's the thing. A lot of people were losing their mind. 
And they were saying this and that, all right? Tatis was announced as a finalist for the National League MVP award, which should be announced. I believe it is by the time uh, you guys are hearing this. Maybe you're hearing this on a Thursday, but it'll be coming out on a Wednesday. So you'll be hearing the, the reveal soon. It's between Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, and Fernando Tatis Jr. And I think that there's a lot of cases to be made for both guys. This isn't as much of a layup as it is in the American League with Shohei Otani over Vlad Jr. Sorry, guys. It's Shohei Otani. Stop over thinking it it is a dude pitching and hitting at the same time i don't want to hear it all right ladies and gentlemen all the stat nerds get out of my mentions but in terms of the national league you know i don't understand why this uh, san diego union tribune article was getting everybody in much of a fuss maybe this will get me canceled on padres twitter i don't know uh i don't care in a lot of ways uh to to do a good degree because people are just you know they're just really passionate and i think every now and then some people may may get a little bit ahead of themselves but then eventually we're all we're all good and we forgive each other at some point right um i read the article and i thought that he mr nick made some decent points i thought that the main points he made were look this team absolutely collapsed in the second half and also he missed 31 games so you know while he does also i disagree with the fact that he doesn't necessarily seem to use all that many advanced stats you know he maybe doesn't understand what ops is necessarily but i did think that um the article that that's a good point guys i understand and i was listening to ben and woods by the way the other day to get some street cred. Shout out Anthony Burris, who has been begging for me to finally listen to Anthony Burris and I are to Ben and Woods. So I'm going to do that more often. And they were bringing the point up and saying, you know, him missing games with the amount of production that he gave, maybe that shows you just how valuable he was because look what he did in such a small sample size. To that, I say, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that, that's fair. But then you can start making arguments about a lot of guys that didn't play all that much. That means like, you know, Jacob deGrom should win the Cy Young because when he was pitching, he was a great, right? Part of a player's value is how available they are. It's what I always praise about Manny Machado and the fact that no player has played in more games than him since like 2016, 2017, which is massively impressive. Best availability is just being available. You know what I mean? So that has to be brought up in this. Um, and I thought that the writing was smug. The writing was certainly uh, irreverent. And if that turns some people off, I get it. Look, I write like a punk. A lot of times, like, I am a real smug son of a gun. I'm a terrible human being, guys. You probably you probably know this by now. I'm terrible. I'm awful. But I will say that just the, the main conceit of the article, it's just I didn't have that much of a problem with it. When you look at Juan Soto and Bryce Harper, here's my view on who should win the MVP. I don't think it should be Tatis. I think it should be Bryce Harper, and here's why. With Tatis, when – forgive me for using narrative, but I just think, one, the game's missed for sure. But when I look at it, I look at a guy who came back to a team and he was very solid. He's very good. He was he was an elite player, knocking home runs. I even remember the extra innings game when he hit that the game tying home run that they eventually lose to the Dodgers. That sixteen inning nightmare. But I do think it does matter to a degree that the thing that people are going to remember from this Padres team was the fact that it was one of the great collapses in the history of baseball, right? And I don't necessarily like the idea of rewarding that. Now, of course, that's not his fault. It's okay. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm not saying he's not deserving. 22 years old and being nominated for the MVP, being the finalist, that's already incredible. We should celebrate that. We don't need some trophy to tell us, you know what I mean, how valuable Tatis is. It's okay. All right? You look at Juan Soto, though, and I feel the same way. Look, I understand the stat nerds will, oh, we'll pull up his baseball savant page, his barrel percentage, his on base in the second half was 520. I get it. 
But I also think to a degree, it matters that Juan Soto did not have a single meaningful at bat in the second half. A single meaningful at bat. And what I mean by that is not just for him and not just in the sense that like it literally means nothing. I'm saying that that team tanked in the second half. They went full rebuild. They traded Scherzer. They traded Trey Turner. They traded uh, uh, Kyle Schwarber. They traded everybody. They even traded, um, what's his name, to the, the Padres that I'm blanking on right now. The relief pitcher. They traded Daniel Hudson. They traded everybody away. They went full rebuild and they lost like 90 plus games. Do we really want to say that the MVP, and while it is cool that baseball isn't officially just making it, you have to be on a good team in order to win the MVP. I think that that's great. I think that that's an improvement uh, on the way that we view the MVP award and the best player. But my thing is, I just think most valuable, like that, con- this isn't best player award. Maybe that's how you view it, but most valuable suggests that there was a little bit of winning involved. And I just think that Juan Soto, maybe he performs better under pressure. I don't know. But there wasn't a single meaningful at bat where he got up to the plate and he's batting and he's like, I know I need to come through here because we're in the thick of a playoff race. I think stuff like that matters. And with Bryce Harper, he wasn't getting anything to hit. I mean, this is a team that loses Reese Hoskins, who was their main other slugger on the team. They sure they have Gene Segura and they've got, you know, Andrew McCutcheon a little bit. But besides that, you know, JT Romuto, you got Didi Gregorius, you got Alec Boehm, who completely fell off. Their offense was terrible. Even their starting pitching, with the exception of, of Zach Wheeler, who was awesome this year. Aaron Nola was just an absolute bum this year for them, like just completely couldn't give them a start when they needed it. Bryce Harper, with that on-base percentage, with the OPS, with the war, yes, he missed some games too, but he was always there when the team needed him to hit a, a big home run pitch. He came through when it mattered. I know some people have been joking you know, with also Mark Melanson uh, and also with Bryce Harper, the fact that their team's one World Series, the Braves with Melanson and then the Nationals with um, Bryce Harper, one after those two guys left, right? Like it must be kind of unfortunate for them. Uh, hey, look, I think Bryce Harper certainly enjoyed the checks that he's getting right now. Uh, and the fact that he's playing well, it's not his fault. I think that that carries a great um, amount with it. I think that that's what it is. So if I were voting, I would have Tatis number two and I would have Juan Soto third. It's a little bit close between second and third, but for me, it's Bryce Harper, man. They were in a little bit more contention and he needed to come up big. And he came up big when he needed to. With the Padres, the thing that we're going to remember about this season is the collapse. And it just feels a little weird to be like, hey, you know how your team had the big greatest second half collapse and you didn't make the playoffs? Uh, Yeah, your guy wins the MVP anyway. You know, like, it has to be brought up. It has to be brought up, at least in my opinion. And I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I just think that we shouldn't be getting that mad. I saw people making the point uh, on Twitter, on Padres Twitter, saying, look at Nick coming out here, Nick Canepa, coming on here and just, you know, crapping on the San Diego Union, just crapping on the only beloved athlete we've had or the most beloved athlete we've had in this, the only team that the San Diego City has uh, and just absolutely crapping on him. I don't think he crapped on him. I just think that he gave his opinion and saying, look, like, he's great, but, like, I don't think he should win the MVP. I didn't find that he was just, you know, trashing the player. It's not like he got out here and wrote an article about how the 3-0 pitch was the worst thing that's happened in San Diego sports history, right? That's not what happened here. Um, so that's just how I feel about it, guys. I don't think that that's a wise way to go either. Just because it's San Diego and Tribune doesn't mean they have to do the slurping. doesn't mean they have to just, as Mike Wilbon says, the slurpage of, you know, certain athletes that goes on right now, right? It's a little bit sus of a verb to use, but uh, you guys get what I'm saying where 
You know, just because it's Tribune doesn't mean they have to automatically praise everything that happens. They're not here. It's called being objective. It's called um, objective, more, you know, even keeled journalism and reporting and analysis. At least that's how I feel about it. I think Tatis, I would love for him to win the MVP, but I think it's going to be Bryce Harper and I think it should be Bryce Harper. He was incredible this year and had a lot of big moments. I know Tatis was great. I know that he offers speed. And I know that, you know, in a smaller sample size, he was great. And he certainly had a lot of moments, but a lot of that came from the first half, especially in regards to the moment. So that's just how I feel about it, guys. Leave my guy Nick alone. It was a fine piece. It's not worth getting mad about. It's this. It's not like the discrepancy is that Tatis is losing to Dansby Swanson. You know what I mean? Juan Soto and Bryce Harper are great players. I'm not going to be that upset. The one that I would be upset about is Otani because that would show that people really only care about numbers and they don't care about the fact that we hadn't seen someone do what Otani did in like hundreds of years, specifically like a century. Like that would just show, wow, you guys really just are hate hate fun. You know what I'm saying? If you're voting for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year, who was great, who was great. But uh, sorry, the guy did two things. Stop, just stop, just stop. Uh, so that's how I feel about it, guys. But before we kind of wind down the podcast and get into the last segment, guys, I want to talk to you about betting. Maybe you're betting on the MVP thing. Maybe you're doing basketball season stuff because it has you know, been underway. We've got football as well. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all that stuff, guys. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. But of course, not just basketball and football, guys. It's also got baseball, and they've also got the NHL. They've got boxing. They've got UFC, and they've got all your favorite, you know, Vegas games. They've got everything for you guys. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of 2021 and beyond. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, guys, you ready to wind this bad boy down? I think I'm ready to wind this bad boy down. Let's talk really quickly about two separate things that I got a little bit late on. I'm not going to lie again. I am so frustrated that my episode did not take the audio. I've been looking at my levels this whole time. If it doesn't work this time, man, I'm just losing my mind. I I really am. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. It just might be one of those weeks. might be one of those weeks. But anyway, guys, let me just quickly run through the National League Gold Glove winners. Okay, there were a couple Padres that were nominated, Manny Machado and um, or was it just Manny Machado? Am I wrong? Yes, it was Manny Machado. But last week I talked about Machado. It was deserving of winning the gold glove. And I also talked about Jake Cronenworth and whether or not he should have been a nominee. You go look at back at that episode, broke it down and how how I felt about it with outs above average and sort of all these metrics. And the winners were pitcher Max Freed. Jacob Stallings for catcher, Paul Goldschmidt for first base, Tommy Edmond for second base, Nolan Arenado for third base, Brandon Crawford for shortstop, left field, we had Tyler O'Neill, center field, Harrison Bader, and right field, Adam Duvall. So no, it did not end up going to Manny Machado, and I said I understood it. While Nolan Arenado, his offensive stats were maybe not necessarily as good as Manny Machado's. Yes, the power was up there. Yes, the RBIs were up there, but you know, the on-base skills weren't there. It just wasn't the same as it was with some of his years in Colorado, in my opinion, although still a very good player for them. His outs above average were above everybody else. The defensive runs saved were about above everybody else too. Um, I had no problem with Nolan Arenado winning this award. And part of this, you know, yes, there is part of this that makes you say, 
you know, are they putting some count and uh, some some weight into the fact that the Cardinals had that incredible run of like the 18 games in a row? They make the playoffs. Yes, they lose, but it was still such an incredible run. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. And maybe they're remembering that Nolan Arenado had, like I said, a lot of the big RBIs, a lot of big hits for the team on that winning streak. That's possible. Bottom line doesn't upset me. And most importantly, I think the Padres need to learn from this. And I think specifically fans need to learn from this. A lot of people have said they should sign Nick Castellanos. Okay. Not a bad bat. He'd be great. I'd love to put him in left field. He's played left field before, you know, especially since Tommy Pham is going to be a free agent. Um, Nick Castellanos is an awfully. And regularly, given what Castellanos can do, that wouldn't necessarily be an immediate problem for mine, even if he is a super minus. My problem is the Padres have a lot of minuses or at best question marks when it comes to their defense you got, and you got Trent Grisham right but then everything else is a little bit weird do we still believe in Austin Nola to be behind the plate and defensive catcher given that he's just seemingly never healthy and of course at first base who I will not name we have some other question marks Tommy Pham and Will Myers are huge minuses in the outfield we have that huge minus at first base we've got Tatis who's a little bit up and down we don't necessarily know what we're going to get from him Maybe the Padres should be looking to getting a solid player offensively and a guy who can give you some really good defense. Maybe you look at a guy like Avicelio Garcia in the offseason, and maybe you look at some other you know, players when it comes to the offensive department, but maybe you just go for a little bit of defense. That matters. Guys, the Cardinals had five guys that won gold gloves this year. That's insane. I talked about Tommy Edmond. I talked about how maybe Jay Cronenworth should have been a finalist over Colton Wong, but Tommy Edmond was sensational with the 10 outs above average at um, second base. He was so good as a defensive player, not as good as a player as Jay Cronenworth because Jay Cronenworth, a plus defender and a very much plus offensive player, which Tommy Edmond is not. But I'm just saying maybe the Padres should start looking into this because they had a lot of minuses this year, man. And it's not like Will Myers, Tommy Pham, and the guy at first base are doing all that much of you for you offensively. I don't care what happens with Tatis at shortstop sometimes given what he does um, offensively, but that's just how I view it. Maybe they should take that into account. Just maybe. And maybe while it's a little bit hard sometimes when you're watching games to measure defense, you can only sometimes go when you're watching the games on TV by an error. Tatis made all these errors. It's true, but you don't get like that bird's eye view of the mound where you can range things like reaction time, like the range, like the speed to getting to the ball because all you see is the ball get hit and then all of a sudden it's at the player. So you don't really always see that. When a, when a ball sneaks by the infield, you won't know when you're watching the game necessarily if that was actually not the best defensive uh, footwork and what have you by whoever was playing uh, that defensive position. It's a lot harder to gauge that um, when you're watching versus is, you know, looking at home runs and looking at WRC plus whatever when judging players uh, in games and what have you. So I think that some people sometimes forget uh, how to judge defense and forget that it is still very much important. Um, just a little bit harder to decipher and a little bit hard to nail down. So I do think the Padres should uh, monitor that for sure and look at some plus defenders unless they're able to move off the guy from first base. I feel a lot better about them signing whoever the heck they want. He could be a minus 17 outs above average. I would be so thrilled if they got rid of the guy at first base. But now, guys, I also want to quickly mention Andrew Heaney signed a one-year $8.5 million contract with the Dodgers, which regularly would not be something that I talk about on this year podcast. But again, I want to just take aim just for a second. 
just for a second bow at Padres Twitter at people and not even just Padres Twitter, but everybody making fun of the fact that Andrew Heaney was extremely bad and for you to pay him that much money. Okay. So here's the thing. The Dodgers want to re- kind of reinforce their rotation, considering the fact that they could lose Max Scherzer. We don't know. I don't know if they will. Considering the fact that the Trevor Bauer situation is going on, considering the fact that Clayton Kershaw is a free agent, all that considered, and you know, you have Walker Buehler, you still have a lot of good pitching stuff, but they figured, let's take a low ball shot on this guy. Let's just see what happens. It's not a bad you know strategy to have whatsoever, in my opinion. Um, a lot of people are making fun of them. And you remember that Andrew Heaney with the Yankees this year was seen like kind of looking, at least it looked like he was crying in the dugout after giving up so many runs uh, for the team when they needed some big wins, which was very sad. And I felt really bad about it, but you know, Andrew Heaney can strike guys out. His strikeout rate is among some of the tops in the league, um, especially last season and a couple seasons before. He's always had that whiff stuff. So with the Dodgers, here is what I've been saying. And I mentioned this a lot with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, when it comes to the discourse surrounding him, I wish that the this is for S- I wish for SEO purposes I could just put Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, in the title that way it could pick up some views and whatnot. But with Odell Beckham Jr., a lot of people tell me, well, now he's getting tra- he gets released from the Browns and he got traded away from the Giants. Doesn't it say a lot about him? It does. It does to an extent. But also, you need to put weight into the fact of what organizations we're talking about here. The Giants have not shown that they're very competent since like 2015. You know what I mean? When you draft Daniel Jones fourth overall, you don't get any. They've been a mess. You know what I'm saying? Until proven otherwise that they're going to go back to being the consistent, smart organization they are. Getting traded away from the Giants isn't exactly an indictment, in my opinion. And the Cleveland Browns, despite their recent success, getting lost by them or what have you, isn't exactly uh, as big of an an indictment on the player, in my opinion. And we could, you know, again, this isn't a football podcast. That's just how I feel. Anything the Dodgers do, as far as I'm concerned, until further notice, does not deserve to be roasted. You know what I'm saying? Yes, you can roast maybe the Trevor Bauer thing for an entirely different uh, reason for what it says about sports and society as a whole. But when it comes to getting these guys that are perceived as being bad players, maybe they know what to do. Maybe they're looking at this guy and saying, we like the swing and miss stuff. We just want to take a flyer on him. And money doesn't matter to the Dodgers. And since this is not like a hard salary cap sport, they don't care. They're like, all right, we'll pay him $8 million. Who gives a crap? You know what I mean? We like him. Let's bring him in here for a certain amount of money. Maybe we can make him better or at least better than what he was doing with the Yankees. Maybe we can make him better against certain teams. There's a lot of numbers, I imagine, that teams in front office have uh, behind the scenes and on their laptops and computers and what have you. Maybe they know that Andrew Heaney is a perfect match against the Padres, against the Dodgers, uh, the, the Giants, against the Rockies, against the Diamondbacks, whatever. Maybe that's what they think he could be used for. Bottom line is, until further notice, we should not be making fun of a move that the Dodgers make like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can do it for fun, but I'm just saying, if Andrew Heaney comes out next year and has a 3.5 ERA and is striking out guys, he finishes with 190 strikeouts, I'm just saying it's the Dodgers, and until further notice, I have no reason to believe that the moves that they make are without at least a tiny amount of merit. Feel free to roast me for this take as well. Feel free to roast me for the San Diego Tribune thing, but... That's just how I feel, guys. Now, before we officially kind of wind down this very delayed podcast, again, I'm sorry about that. Um, I just want to say thank you for making Lockdown Padres, even though it might not have been this time, your first listen every day. Now make your second listen your daily one-stop shop 
for all your gambling needs, guys. That is Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And now, just to talk about what you can expect from the future of this pod, guys. Um, tomorrow, going to be giving my breakdown, probably uh, just one more time, running through my thoughts on Fernando Tatis Jr. If it is announced, the MVP award uh, tomorrow, which I imagine is going to go to Bryce Harper. But most importantly, going to be beginning my breakdown of Keith Law's top 50 free agents over at The Athletic. So you guys can go check that out if you have a subscription and you'd like. Uh, going to be starting with the first like 10 to 15 players and giving my thoughts on them. And just kind of, you know, I did this last year with the top 50 free agents and Keith Law is just a big name. So I feel like that's a guy to start with. Uh, going to be breaking that down and breaking down which guys I think that the Padres should be interested in. And just talking fun about free agents. Free agent talk is always fun, at least in my opinion, guys. So we're going to be talking about that. And then Friday, very, very special episode, talking with Taylor Blake Ward and Bobby Fontaine Jr., who is a former scout, all right? And he's a guy who scouted Tony Gwynn, Ozzie Smith, big-time players, Randy Johnson. And we had a great conversation about scouting, about all that stuff, and their new book that is out um, that you guys should definitely check out that I will be putting in the description uh, on Friday's episode. It's a really fun chat, um, and we do talk some Padres stuff for sure, but we just kind of talk baseball, and I really, really think you guys are going to enjoy it. One of my favorite episodes that I've done – uh, with a guest in a very long time, I must say. And I've had plenty of great guests on this show from Hannah Kaiser to Kevin AC to what have you. But I really think that this episode you guys are going to like. So look forward to that on Friday. Um, and that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to hear your podcast from Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever. Ever follow the show or myself on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Feel free to send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. Let's go.